Well, I'm excited this morning uh, because we're launching into a brand new series today. And so for the next four weeks or so, we're going to be talking about overcoming obstacles. Probably none of us are facing any obstacles in our lives right now, right? Uh, but for, for, for those of you who are, uh, for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about overcoming a number of different obstacles like worry and anxiety and uh, discouragement and past failures. And so it's going to be a great time. I'm excited about it. Uh, but I probably ought to say this up front. For those of you who everything in your life is always smooth, uh, if you've never faced any challenge or difficulty, or if life for you is nothing but sunshine and roses, then let me just say this. First of all, the rest of us hate you. Uh, but secondly, you're probably not going to get a whole lot out of the next four weeks. But for the rest of us, all of the human people who understand what it is to face challenges in life, my hope is that over the next few weeks or so, not only will you be encouraged, but also that you'll receive some tools for your tool belt in order to deal with the challenges of life that maybe you're facing right now or will face in the near future. And so uh, we're going to jump right in this morning. And today I want to talk to you about facing the obstacle of anxiety and worry. Worry and anxiety. None of us ever deal with any of that, right? Uh, man, I, I see all over the news. It just seems like, uh, you know, on social media and uh, on television, all over because of the coronavirus and because of social isolation and because of uh, financial uncertainty, it seems like that anxiety is at an all-time high. Uh, I, I normally ask people, you know, if you, if you ever struggle with something, raise your hand. And, and obviously, if you did that, I wouldn't see you this morning. And so I'm just going to assume that there is somebody out there who struggles from time to time with worry and anxiety. And so I'm assuming that you'll take something from this this morning. The reality is that I'm convinced that all of us, at, at some point in time in our lives, we, we deal, at least on some level, with anxiety and worry. I'm also convinced that this is one of the primary tools that the enemy uses in order to try and prevent us from experiencing all that God wants us to experience in our lives. You see, one of the tricks of the enemy is that he wants to get our minds preoccupied with worry and anxiety and stress because he knows that those things undermine us from living into all that God has for us. The truth is that it's, it's, it's almost impossible to operate from a place of health when you're stuck in the middle of anxiety and stress. Whenever you're, you're operating from a place of anxiety and stress, the reality is we tend to be operating from a place of nothing more than just survival, survival. And, and I want you to know this morning that God's heart for you is not just simply for you to survive, but his heart for you is that you thrive. This is why the Bible never talks about survival. Instead, it, it uses words like overcomer. You know the difference between surviving and overcoming, right? It's kind of like this. Laura and I recently, uh, since we're in this kind of quarantine and there's not a whole lot of places open and we can't go anything, anywhere and do anything, uh, we, we've gotten into this show called Alone. I don't know how many of you are familiar with that program. It's on the History Channel, I believe. 
And uh, for those of you who may not be familiar with it, the basic premise of the show is that they'll take 10 people and they'll, they'll take them and fly them out into some vast wilderness somewhere. Currently, the season we're watching, it's Mongolia. And so they'll take them and they'll drop them off in separate places to where they're alone. And the whole premise of the show is who can survive the longest. And so it's interesting, you know, some of them will only survive for a couple of days, and then there are others who will make it for, for several weeks, and then some who will last three to four months. And along the way, they'll, they'll, they'll decide that they need to tap out, and so they'll call in and somebody will pick them up. And typically, typically, the reason that they need to tap out is because of hunger, because they don't get enough food. And some of these people will lose 20 to 30% of their body weight while they're out there. And ultimately, it'll come down to one final survivor. And it's always interesting because that one last person, when you look at them, it looks like they just barely survived by the skin of their teeth. They're nothing but skin and bones. And, you know, it's, it's just I barely made it through. And it's like they're on the verge of death. They're knock, knock, knocking on death's door. And, and so that is survival. You know, I just barely make it through, but barely alive. Overcoming, on the other hand. Well, overcoming is, yes, I've had to go through some difficult circumstances. Yes, I've had to experience pain in my life. Yes, it's been difficult. But as I've come through, I've come through better than when I entered into the situation. And this is what scripture tells us, is we were not just meant to survive difficulty, we were meant to be overcomers. In fact, one of the things that God really longs for, for all of us, is he longs for us to express who he is through his people. For those of us who have surrendered our lives to Christ, he, he longs to express who he is through us. You know, how, how we respond, not only in the good times, but even more importantly, through difficulty. And God's desire is that he wants to express who he is, his nature, the way he functions, his beauty, his power, his grace, his mercy. All of those things are meant to be put on display through the life of a surrendered believer. And so the enemy, what he does is he uses things like worry and anxiety and stress in order to try and prevent a, that from happening in our lives. Uh, and whether you like it or not, your life is on display for the world to see. It's true. People are watching you. And, and what the enemy wants is for them to be like, see, I knew it. They may talk about Jesus and stuff, but when the rubber hits the road, when life gets difficult, they're no different than the rest of us. That's what he wants. The, the Bible tells us in Proverbs that the anxiety in a heart brings a man down. In other words, when, when we get born again, when, when, we, when we receive this new creation, we get recreated in Christ, we are intended to live up here. And what happens is, is anxiety and worry and stress causes us to live down here. It always pulls us down. In fact, the old English word for worry literally means to choke or to strangle. That's what worry does to us. In fact, let, let me just ask you this question. For, for those of you who are worriers, you have a tendency to worry about things, does it ever work? No, it doesn't, right? 
I mean, it, it, it's never like, oh man, I worried about this and it changed. It doesn't work like that because we worried about it, you know? I mean, none of us are ever like, oh man, I'm so glad I worried about that situation because I had this difficulty in my life and thank God I worried about it because now it's so much better. It doesn't work like that, right? No, all worry does is it steals a tremendous amount of energy from us without producing any progress. Worry never works. But not only that, the real problem with worry is that at its core, what it is, is worry is simply exalting some other ideal over what God has promised. That's what worry is. In other words, when I give in to worry, ultimately what I'm doing is, is I'm giving my heart, my thoughts, my energy to something that is inferior to the word of the Lord. I want to say that again. Whenever I worry, I give my thoughts, my energy, my, my, um, my heart to something that is inferior to the word of the Lord. This is why we, we talk about and, and we say that worry is the opposite of faith. It's the opposite of prayer. Because when we worry, what we're doing is we're giving status and we're giving creed to a circumstance over the power, the goodness, and the promises of God. So listen, I say all of that uh, not just to make you feel guilty if you ever struggle with worry. You know, oh, oh man, I'm a terrible Christian because I worry and I shouldn't worry. Uh, that, that, that's not going to help anybody. It's not enough for me just to say, don't worry. We need an alternative. We need an antidote. Well, well, fortunately for us, the Apostle Paul gives us that very thing for worry and anxiety. He gives us the antidote in his letter to the Philippians. This is the Apostle Paul writing, and in, in chapter 4, verse 6, he says this. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, he says, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Okay, that's my message in one sentence. God says, I'm going to give you a choice, and, and you can either worry or you can pray but you can't do both. You, you can either worry or you can pray. And, and I've talked about this before, but when, when you boil it down, when you worry and when you pray, you're actually doing the same thing. The only difference between worry and prayer is who you're talking to. Are you talking to yourself? That's worry. When I, I tell myself all of my problems, I play out the situation in my mind over and over and over again. And when I do that, usually it's not in a way where God miraculously, supernaturally shows up and intervenes and works for my good, but instead I play out the worst case scenario where everything falls apart and I end up being destroyed. Oh, but when, when you pray... Instead of talking to yourself, you simply turn that conversation towards God, and you tell him about the issue, and you release it to him, trusting that he really does love you, that he really does have your best interest in mind. Some, some people tell me, Doug, you know, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray for. Well, there's a simple answer for that. Just take all of the things that you tend to worry about, and instead of telling yourself about them, just tell them to God. You see, here's the bottom line. 
if worry and prayer are the same thing, the only difference is who you're talking to, then let me just ask you this. Who do you think has a better ability to answering your problems? You or God? This is why God says, don't choose to worry. Don't, don't, don't keep rehashing what's wrong in your life, in your own mind. I mean, if you could have done anything about it, you'd have done it already. But instead, pray, bring it to me. Trust in my heart for you. Trust that I can do what you can't. He says, don't worry, pray. And so how do we do that? In other words, when we pray, what do we need to do in order not to worry? Now, I'm going I'm to tell you up front that what I want to share with you this morning, it's not rocket science. In fact, most of you probably already know what I'm going to say. But like most things, the problem for us is not what we know, but the problem is what we do. What, what do we put into practice? And so, um, know this, if you know this already, if you, if you already know what I'm going to share with you, then let me challenge you to do this. Just evaluate your life and ask yourself the question, is this something that I just know or is it something that I actually do on a regular basis, okay? So let me give you three simple things, and they are going to be simple, but simple things that you can do as you pray in order to defeat worry and anxiety in your life, okay? First one is this, simply ask God for help. I told you these were simple. Uh, and, and again, I, I, I know that this is just seems oversimplistic, but I'm convinced that while it is simple, it, it's hard to do. You know, it is simple, but it's not easy to do. It, it's not complicated in nature, but, but the reality is for most of us, we tend to make things more complicated than they really need to be. And so we begin with something, just ask God, just ask God for help. James 4.2 says this, you do not have because you do not ask God. You do not have because you do not ask God. Listen, if, if we prayed as much as we worried, I am convinced that we would probably have less to worry about. Over, over 20 times in the New Testament, God says, ask, ask of me, ask me. Over and over and over again, he reminds us that he wants us to ask. His invitation to us is always come. Well, I want you to understand this this morning. You are not an inconvenience to God. In fact, he's waiting on you to talk to him about the things you're worried about. He says, I don't want you to worry about them. Instead, come to me, ask me for assistance. I heard this story recently about this guy who he died and he went to heaven. And when he got there, he saw that there were all of these warehouses everywhere in heaven. And so he asked God, he said, you know, what's the deal with all the warehouses? And so God took him into one of them, and he looked around, and I mean, this place was full of all kinds of wonderful things, you know, houses and cars and financial resources and, and spouses and children and spiritual situations. And the guy is like, God, what are all of these things? And God says, look, each one of them has a tag on them. Go read the tag. And so the guy walks up and he begins reading the tags on these, these items. And every single tag said the same thing. This is what it said. Something that someone needed but never asked for. Listen, 
I'm convinced that, that the reason that you and I miss out on so many wonderful things in life is simply because we choose to worry about them rather than to ask God for them. You have not because you ask not. Now, I, I want to deal with this question. Why is it that God wants us to ask? I mean, he already knows what we need. He's God, right? And so why is it that he just doesn't simply give us what we need? Why is it that we have to ask? Well, I think the answer is pretty simple, and it goes back to relationship. You see, God is a giver. He loves to give good gifts to his children. But what he longs for more than anything else is he longs to be in relationship with us. And he knows well enough that if he just gave to us without our asking, then we would be tempted to fall into the trap of believing that we are the source of all that we have. Man, I needed it. And so I just pulled up my bootstraps and I worked harder and I got it. And then we foolishly begin to believe that we can accomplish things on our own power and we tend to forget about him. Now listen, I'm not advocating for not working and being lazy, but let me ask you this. Who gave you the ability to work? You see, God wants us to understand that he is the source of all things. In fact, this is a question, I love this, that Paul asked in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. He asked this question, and he says, what is it that you have that you have not received? And of course, we know the answer to that is nothing, because God is our source. In fact, in Numbers chapter 16, verse 32, it tells us this. It says that God is the source of all life. In fact, over and over and over again, the Bible tells us of all of the things that God is the source of, and we don't have time to go through them all, but I, I want to give you just a few examples. The Scripture tells us this. It says that you know, when you don't know what to do, God is your source of wisdom. It says when you run out of energy, God is your source of strength. It says when you feel like everything is caving in and depressing you, that God is the source of your happiness. When things look hopeless, Scripture says that God is the source of hope. When life becomes stressful, it says that God is the source of peace. When you're irritated and about to blow up, I know I never do that. Don't ever ask Laura, but I don't do it. But, but when I do, or if I'm tempted to do that, Scripture tells me that God is my source of patience. When I'm overwhelmed with guilt, the Bible tells me that God is my source of salvation. And when I feel like throwing my hands up in the air and quitting, Scripture says that God is my source of encouragement. Come on, don't we have a great God? He is the source of all things. And what he's saying is, he's saying, look to me. Not only do I know your situation. In fact, I've got a better grasp on it than you do. But he says, I also have an abundance of resources that I want to pour into you and onto you in order to help you overcome your situation. But you got to ask. God is just waiting for you to ask. Well, well, this leads us to the second way we need to pray. And not only do we need to ask, but as we ask, we need to remember God's faithfulness. Let's look again at Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says this, again, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs. And then catch this. 
he says, thank him for all he's done. This is the worship component of this kind of prayer. And we see this all throughout Scripture, particularly with the children of Israel. Whenever they have this great need in their lives and they go before God, typically what they do is they begin by remembering all of the ways that God has been faithful to them in the past. And the reasoning is this. If God was faithful before, if he was enough before, then he'll be enough now. He'll be faithful now. And so I remember all of those times, you know, where I thought I'd never survive. Uh, all those times where I thought I'd never find a way through. All those times where I thought the problem that I was facing was insurmountable and it would overwhelm me and destroy me. And I remember those times how in the midst of all of that, God showed up and God came through and he brought me through and made a way when it looked like there would be no way. You see, we tend to worry when we forget that God is bigger than our circumstance. We, we tend to worry when we forget that God is bigger than whatever it is that we're worrying about. And, and I've said this before, but I believe it's worth repeating because it's important. Whatever you focus on, that thing will become enlarged in your eyes. And so if, if your primary focus is on a situation that's out of control, if you worry about it, obsess about it, that thing is going to grow to the point that it's a giant. It's going to grow to the point, in fact, that it is bigger than God. Now, you may not admit that. But the reality is that's the way some of us act sometimes, is this problem is so huge that it's even too big for God. Why is that? Because we have focused on it so hard that it is enlarged in our own mind. Now, the same is true. When we shift our focus from the size of our problem to the size of our God, to, to all the ways that God has showed up and come through for his people, when, when we begin to remember all of the things that God has done and who God is, when we remember that the same God who with just a word of his mouth created the heavens and the earth, that that same God who with the word of his mouth created the seas and the mountains, the planets and the stars, that that same God who with the breath of his mouth, he parted the Red Sea so his people could go through on dry ground. That that same God who over and over and over again delivered his people from stronger, larger, better equipped armies. That the same God who healed blind eyes, who made lame people walk again, who raised the dead. That same God is the God who has promised to never leave you and never forsake you. That same God has promised that he would take us through whatever it is that we're going through, and that we wouldn't just be survivors, but that we would be more than overcomers. You see, when I shift my focus to that God, then all of a sudden, he enlarges in my eyes. Now, I want to make this clear. It doesn't mean that we make him bigger than he is. In fact, we can't see him as big as he is and as powerful as he is. It's us 
But when we focus on him, he grows and he enlarges in our own eyes. And at the same time, whatever our problem is, all of the sudden, it doesn't seem so large and insurmountable. You see, one of the reasons that we worship, one of the reasons that that thankfulness and remembering and recalling the greatness of God is so important It's not because that God is some kind of egomaniac and he wants us to run around bragging on him because somehow, you know, that strokes his ego. That's not it at all. He understands rather how important it is for us that we need to see him for who he is. We need to be reminded who it is that is with us and for us and has promised to never forsake us. And so whatever we're facing, we can say, You know, man, if that's who's for me, if that's who's with me, then come on, who can be against me? If that's who's for me, who do I have to be afraid of? I mean, if that's who's for me, if there's a mountain of a problem in my way, then all I have to do is speak to the mountain. Hey, mountain, you see who's with me. I know you're bigger than I am, but you're not bigger than the one who is with me. I'm I'm telling you, that mountain is going to have to move because no matter how big it is, it's not bigger than our God. And so we ask him for help. We we remember how faithful he is. And then then I've saved the toughest one for last. We we have to trust in God's timing. I I talked about this this past week in one of our morning devotionals, but waiting is is one of the hardest parts of prayer. And it's also one of the hardest parts of overcoming worry in our lives. I mean, come on, you know, we all, we all love it, you know, when we ask God for something and immediately he comes through with an answer. We all love that, right? I love it when that happens. But what do we do when there's a situation that deeply concerns us? And we do what I've been talking about this morning, you know, we, we choose not to worry, and we, we choose to, rather than worry, we choose to give that over to God and to trust in Him and to place all of that upon Him. And we remember all of His faithfulness to us in the past, how He's come through and He made a way when it looked like there was not going to be a way, and so we, we worship Him for how great He is and how much bigger He is than the situation we're facing. What do we do? When we've done all of that, and yet our situation doesn't change. Or worse yet, what do we do when it changes by getting worse? What do we do then? Real quick, I want to just give you three suggestions. In fact, I want to give you two things to do, and one thing I want to encourage you to avoid doing. For those of you, again, who have listened to our daily devotionals on Facebook, I shared these with you this past week, and so this will be a repeat for you, or maybe even better yet, a reminder for you. Uh, The first thing you want to do when you're waiting on God to answer him in prayer and change the situation is continue to worship him. Continue to worship him. In fact, I would encourage you in these seasons to worship him with more fervor and intensity. Turn it up. Worship him harder. I just want to remind you this morning that if God never, ever, ever, ever does one more thing for you, he has already done enough through Christ and the price that he paid for you on the cross. He's already done enough 
for you to worship him. He's worthy of our praise. And so we worship him. And listen, we we worship him not just because he does what he wants. It's not like we worship him only in those seasons where, yeah, God, you came through, you did what I want, so now you're worthy of my worship. But when you don't do what I want, I'm not going to worship you. We don't worship him just because he does what we want. We worship him because he's worthy of our worship. And not only is he worthy of our worship, I'm telling you, we we worship because when we do, there is something that happens to us. We, we, We get lifted up. When we worship, we get lifted up and we begin to see our problem from a different light. We have a different perspective. You see, worship not only elevates God, but it also elevates us and allows us to see our situation from a different perspective, a different vantage point. All of a sudden, we're able to see through the eyes of an all-powerful, all-loving God. I'm telling you, worship is a powerful, powerful thing. It is a weapon. And oftentimes, we don't use the weapons that are available to us. And so we worship. Number two, while you're waiting, it's good to ask God, how do you want to grow me during this time? What do you want to do in me as I go through this? You see, one of the things that I've learned about God is that that he cares way more about the development of my character than he does the level of my comfort. And sometimes, you know, he'll allow me to sit in an uncomfortable situation. It doesn't mean that he caused it. doesn't mean that he led me into it. But scripture is very clear that he can take even the things the enemy intended for evil and he can use them for good. And so sometimes he will allow me to sit in an uncomfortable situation in order to deepen my relationship with him. Remember, he's all about relationship. I think the apostle Paul knew this firsthand as he experienced his own amount of of difficulty in his life. And this is why he could write these words in Romans chapter 5. He says this in verse 3, but we also glory in our sufferings. When's the last time you did that? We glory in our sufferings. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. And then he says this, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so listen, if God hasn't delivered you, man, don't give up. Press in harder. Go deeper and know that you're not having to do this alone. He has promised that he has placed his Holy Spirit within you in order to help you. But go deeper and just ask God, what is it that you want to do in me through this experience that I'm going through? And then number three, and this is a hard one for us as well, don't try and answer your own prayer. Don't, don't, don't try and be the answer to your own prayer. I mean, there, there are all kinds of examples in Scripture where instead of waiting on God, people moved ahead and they tried to create their own answer. And every time they did that, it, it created a disaster for them with consequences, some that lasted way beyond their lifetime for generations and generations. 
Probably the best example of this is Abraham. You remember his story. Abraham and Sarah have been given this promise that they're going to have a child. And so they wait. And they wait. And they wait. Forty years they wait. And finally they decide, you know, maybe we ought to take things in our own hands because maybe God's forgotten about us. And so they they go ahead and, and Sarah convinces Abraham to sleep with her servant. And as a result, Ishmael is born. Which, which creates this conflict that we're still experiencing some 4,000 4, years later. We're still dealing with it. It's important that we wait upon the Lord. Do not create your own Ishmael. God knows what he's doing and his timing is perfect. And, and so here's the question that I have for you this morning. What happens when I do what, what I'm talking about this morning. But what happens when I ask God for help and I, I remember his resources and I wait on him trusting that he'll provide what I need on a daily basis? What happens? Well, let me tell you, we're given a great promise. In fact, in verse 7 of that same chapter of Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, Paul goes on and he says this. He says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, God will take your worry and he will replace it with his peace. And and here's the cool thing about his peace, is that the promise is given to us that his peace is something that transcends human understanding. In other words, it's not based on our situation. Someone might look at your situation, in fact, and be like, man, you ought to be all worried and worked up about that. But, but you're not. Why is it that you're not? Why is it instead you seem to be filled with this unexplainable calmness and peace? It's because it's a peace that doesn't come from ourselves. It's a peace that God gives to us when we give him our worry. I don't, I don't know about you, but I'd rather live like that over being all balled up on the inside, you know, spending a bunch of energy and effort on something that I can't change. I would rather give all of that to him and exchange, receive his peace. And so as we wrap things up today, I want to ask you, what is it that you're worried about most right now? Is it this global pandemic? Is it your finances? Maybe, maybe it's your kids. It's, maybe it's your health. Whatever it is, I want to challenge you right now. Maybe the best thing for you to do is just take a moment and release that to God. Tell God about it and give it to him. Ask him to help you. And as you're doing that, remember his faithfulness to you in the past. Remember how he came through for you before. And then just simply trust in his timing. If he doesn't provide an immediate way out, then trust that he is going to do something incredible in you through the process. He wants to grow you and strengthen you and make you more like him. And he can do that through this. Maybe maybe in a way he couldn't do it any other way. Maybe there are others this morning you're watching and you've never taken that step and you've given your life to Jesus. 
Maybe, I don't know, maybe you've been afraid. You know, if I, if I give my life to God, then he's going he's gonna to turn me into some kind of fanatic. Or if I give him my life, he's going to make me do stuff that will make my life miserable. You know, he's going he's gonna to take all my money and make me go to Africa as a missionary or something like that. Listen, I, I love this simple invitation that Jesus gives. He simply says this. He says, I am the bread of life, and he who comes to me will never hunger again. He says, I am the living water. He who drinks of the water I give will never thirst again. In other words, what he's saying is, 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 is that dissatisfaction that's in your heart, that, that thing that you've never been able to put your finger on that, that's missing in your life, Jesus says you need to understand what that is, it's me, <laughs> And this morning he's saying to you, I didn't come to make your life miserable. That, that's not what I came for at all. What I came to do is to give you what you're missing, what you need. I came to give you life that is really life. And so if you've never said yes to him, today is your opportunity. You, you don't have to face the challenges of life alone. And you, you don't have to be simply a survivor God wants to help you be an overcomer. And so if, if, if that's what you want this morning, I want to invite you to pray this simple prayer with me today just in the quietness of your own heart. In fact, I want to invite you right now, just bow your head and close your eyes and pray this prayer in the quietness of your own heart. Jesus, I need you. I want to take you up on your offer to be the forgiver of my sins and the leader of my life. Today, today, on April 19th, 2020, I put my trust in you. I surrender my life to you, and I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer this morning, welcome to the family. So glad that you joined us today, and I want to encourage you as you go throughout your week to put into practice maybe some things you already know but just, and are just a reminder, but to put these things into practice, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. With thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will be with you. So go in that peace. Have a great week.